Hallelujah, Christ is risen. It's Easter Sunday, which you know because you're here. And today we share in that ancient story that has been told again and again, more than annually, for 2,000 years, almost, that Christ is risen. And that ancient story is probably not much of a surprise today. Like We don't probably gather, at least not many of us, haven't ever heard this story before. I wouldn't guess, at least. But today, as we share that same story, the focus is a bit less, maybe, about the scene, about the women going to the tomb and the stone rolled away and all that happened, and maybe more about its meaning, about the outcome of the greatest story that's ever been told and the news that spread. And the meaning and outcome of it is hope. Hope. Where can hope be found? Hope is important. Researchers have studied hope for quite a long time. Hope helps us survive. Helps us recover. Helps us make better decisions and achieve goals. Studies have shown that people in the hospital, maybe you've heard this before, people who are in the hospital, whatever the illness is, those who have hope have a much better chance at recovery, faster and more complete than those who don't have hope. Hopelessness is the biggest challenge that a lot of people face. It's worse than depression. It's worse than the suffering that we endure. Hopelessness, when we lose our hope, we lose motivation. We lose our ability to overcome obstacles. Hope is that important. Hope is similar, but it is distinct from optimism. It's not just the power of positive thinking, with all due respect to Norman Vincent Peale. Hope is a bit different from that. Both look forward, have positive expectations, but hope is more action-oriented, at least the way it's typically defined. Charles Snyder, a Ph.D. psychologist at the University of Kansas, defines hope as our ability to shape our lives and the belief that we can make things happen and the motivation to reach a desired outcome. Now, that pins a lot of our hope inward, right, on ourselves, And I can understand that to a degree, but that's not quite the hope we're talking about. But where can hope be found is a good question because the world offers little hope as we're driving around later today. Maybe as we leave this place where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and we make our way to our homes or wherever we're going, we're going to be driving past people on the road on the sidewalk, on the bike path, who haven't celebrated this today, who don't have this hope that we share today. Earlier this morning, we had the sunrise service at Christ the Life, and when we were leaving, came down the hill, and toward the bottom of the hill, I saw cars on the side of the road with bikes getting pulled off the back. And I liked a bike, but I thought, not this morning. 
This is not my time for cycling. This is my time to celebrate and to reflect on the hope that is found in Jesus alone. But there's a lot of people, because of the brokenness of this world, who feel hopeless. Suffering, the things we endure, the burdens that we bear, and hope can be hard. So there are some people hoping for a future without really being realistic. More like a wish than real hope, right? And we do this. I do it too. A week ago, I announced that we had COVID in our house again, and I said, well, I hope that we don't get it. Something completely out of my control. Well, not completely, I guess. Thanks, thanks be to God, we didn't, the rest of us didn't get it, and Gina has recovered quickly. Tested negative since Thursday, so if there's any um, nervousness, Wednesday, sorry, Wednesday. Uh, so if there's any nervousness in the room, we've, uh, and the rest of us tested uh, more times than I care to count. Five. We do have a count. Um, stayed negative. What else did we hope for? With rain in the forecast, I said, well, I hope we can be outside for the sunrise service. And we got to be outside. Those are more of like wishes. Yesterday, as a family, we drove over to the coast. We need to pick something up from a shop in Capitola, and so we made a, an afternoon out of it and went to the beach, and we we're on 17. Get up to the top of that hill where the clouds just collect because they, I guess, get stuck there or something, and it's raining, and I'm like, oh, you know, I, the ocean is spectacular when it's raining. That's fine, but standing outside looking at it is not so fun. So we were hoping that the weather at the beach would be nicer than the weather at the top of the hill, and it was. But that's not the kind of hope that we're talking about today. That's hope for something. That's kind of wish-related. We're hoping for something to happen. We're hoping for maybe things to get better. There's a lot of things we hope for. There's also things we hope in. Sometimes we hope in something greater than us and something external to us, which is not the same as how Dr. Snyder defined hope. For him, hope was an internal thing and our ability to overcome and achieve and you know, uh, uh, pursue the goal or the dream. But for many of us, hope is placed in something external. For a lot of people, that's maybe other people. I hope that person can do that because it benefits me. Maybe it's broader. I hope in the community or in the culture that things happen. I hope in the agency of an organization. Maybe it's even the government. Some are hoping that the government will take care of all of our problems. Some are hoping that the government will stop trying to take care of all of our problems. Some are in the middle of that. We know this from Psalm 118 that we read on Thursday. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. 
But still, sometimes those agencies, those organizations, even education or empowerment or opportunity or science or medicine is where we direct our hope. The last two-plus years, we've been enduring this season of pandemic, and there's been a lot of hand-wringing and some hope placed in doctors, researchers, which is not well, uh, I mean, not misdirected. Doctors and researchers have done a phenomenal amount of work to get us to where we are today. There's also been hopelessness and the loss of hope in this time because hope can be fleeting. What do you hope for? Thinking of things we hope for, not in, but for, what do you hope for? A better job, a raise, a vacation? Are you hoping your spouse will somehow change? I'm going to look this way right now. <laughs> Are you hoping your team wins the championship? The reality is this, hope in things that don't last doesn't last. Hope in things that are temporary is only temporary. If our hope is that our team wins the championship, well, there's another season coming, right? If our hope is that a person will change, what do we know about people? We don't really change. If our hope is in some other organization, some other person, people will let us down. Organizations will let us down. Things that we hope to satisfy us, how long does that last? That's why there's marketing. <laughs> to remind us of how dissatisfied we are with the size of our television set or the fanciness or lack thereof of our automobile or any number of other things that aren't satisfying us today. Maybe they did two weeks ago or two years ago, but now I need that. I remember when I was a little kid watching Saturday morning TV when it used to be good, right? When the cartoons were on and you could watch TV and then they would show you toys. And I needed those toys. I'm not satisfied now with the toys that I have because there are other toys. That's not different from how all the other ads are, right? I need those I need those things. I need that place. I need to go there. The, the guy who played Obi-Wan Kenobi, what's his name? Ewan McGregor. Yeah, the McGregor guy. The, the younger Obi-Wan in the movies that came out after the other movies. You know what I mean. Yeah. The first three in the trilogy. He's advertising now for Expedia. Have you seen these ads? Now it's, oh, yeah, you know, when, like, we, we got to go places instead of having all this stuff, right? So now we aren't satisfied with the stuff that we have, and we aren't satisfied with the places we go. We need more. We need to do more. We need to achieve more. We need to go more. Why? Because we're never satisfied. And oftentimes we find ourselves living with the loss of hope. Think about this. The first Easter was not a day of hope, at least not initially. 
Those women, when they woke up, they didn't say, hey, let's go be the first witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. Not what was on their mind. The disciples, when they woke up, didn't even say, let's leave this place. The women were being faithful to go anoint a dead body. That's what they expected. Luke chapter 24 begins with these words. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. You do not take spices to an empty tomb. You take spices to where there's a body that needs to be anointed. It needs to be actually finished. Jesus died late enough on Friday that there wasn't time. They had to hastily put him in the tomb. They couldn't handle the dead body over the, the Sabbath. And Sabbath begins at sundown. So sundown's coming, and they're like, well, put him away. We'll come back. And that's what they're doing right here. They're coming back for the body. Peter and the disciples are hiding. And when the women come back, we didn't find him. And there were these guys. The disciples don't jump up and run. Peter does, according to Luke's gospel. Peter and John, according to John's gospel. So some of them did, but most of them didn't. The expectation of Jesus was that he had died and was still dead and that their lives were on a significantly different course than they expected. The loss of hope, not just in Jesus, but in where they were going and what they were doing, and what have we invested our lives in for the last three years? What's next? Hopelessness, emptiness, abandonment, frustration. All of those emotions were part of their experience. When we go through those kinds of times, we need our hope restored. When we face fear or disappointment or discouragement or loss or fill in the blank. These last two plus years have been a whole lot of that. A whole lot of loss, a whole lot of frustration, a whole lot of things that didn't get to happen. Anybody that graduated in the class of 2020, 2021, it was different. Anybody who missed out on activities, things that you were supposed to do, things you were looking forward to, there's a trip coming up, our 2020 vacation and trip to the Holy Land is going to happen here in just, you know, another what, month and a half or something, two, two and a half months, whatever it is. If you're signed up, you know the date. I'll pack before that also. There's been a lot of loss and we need hope restored. But things can change in the blink of an eye. This is what happens as the women arrive. This starts in verse 2. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of Jesus. Further on, it says that there were these men in white, messengers of God, angels, depending on um, which version we're looking at or which uh, account who said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. And it was a this changes everything kind of moment. Have you experienced that? A this changes everything moment in life. Where things change, where there's a dramatic reversal of 
what life's about, what our expectations should be, or kind of the V8, uh, wow, realization that things are better or headed in the right direction, or all of a sudden something that you thought was the where, where you needed to be really wasn't. This changes everything. And in that moment, that announcement that he is not here, he has risen, changed everything. And so we have hope in Jesus. Psalm 33 says this, The eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is his unfailing love. And this is what it says in verse 19, to deliver them from death. That is the biggest reality of the empty tomb. Deliverance from death. Because we can't start just today. This story doesn't begin at an empty tomb. You don't have a tomb unless you had a body. There's no reason to show up at the tomb with spices in their hands if there's no body, right? So we can't have Easter without Good Friday. Many of us on Friday gathered and remembered and considered the crucifixion and the death of Jesus, and we ended that service with confession, and we placed nails in the cross, and we left in silence reflecting on our sinfulness and on the death of Jesus. But there's more to the story than that. See, the, the death of Jesus covers our sin. And that's what we contemplated and that's what we reflected on. And 1 Corinthians 15 talks about that. Verse 22 said this, As in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. In Adam all die. We have this nature that we inherit and because of that because of this sinful nature that we have we needed a sacrifice we needed Jesus to be that sacrifice for us so he was born for that purpose and he died in our place see God died because we as humans were broken and couldn't overcome it couldn't fix it ourselves there's nothing that we could have done Romans chapter 5, Paul writes this, you see at just the right time when we were still powerless. Christ died for the ungodly. When we were still hopeless, when we were still dead in our trespasses and sins, Christ died on our behalf, laid down his life for us. So without Jesus' shed blood, we'd have no hope. The death of Christ covers our sin, but it can't end there. And today we celebrate his resurrection. Paul further writes this in verse 17. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. This whole section, this whole uh, chapter 15 in 1 Corinthians is a lot about resurrection. A lot of it is, or sections of it are used at memorial services or funeral services quite often because it talks about the resurrection of the dead. And the reason Paul's talking about that inferred is that some are suggesting there is no resurrection so the first part of this whole chapter is about this argument that paul's having against their suggestions some say there's is no resurrection well if there is no resurrection not even jesus is raised from the dead 
And if Jesus wasn't raised, then your faith is futile and you're still in your sin. That's what he's saying. That Jesus overcoming death on our behalf means that everything he said is true. You want to believe somebody? Believe the guy that came back from the dead. That's a good place to put our hope and put our trust and believe in that one. Because through him we receive forgiveness and life in his name. We've been reconciled to God. We've been forgiven. All that is done. So we have hope in Jesus because our our relationship with God is restored through him. We have hope now and for eternity. We have hope for today. The hope that we have in Jesus is not hope for something. It's hope in Jesus. It's hope in the life that he gives, this abundant life that he has promised us. It's hope in the face of the tragedy, the sorrow, the burdens that we bear. It's hope that keeps us stepping forward even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's the hope that we have in our lives here and now today. It's a hope that sustains us. Remember those uh, 1980s, I think it was 80s, commercials? I think they were for Ginsu knives. Remember those? The Ginsu knife was the one that could cut everything, right? Including an aluminum can. On the commercial, right through an aluminum can, and then slicing a tomato, right? I think that was one of the commercials. And I'm pretty sure that there were multiple versions of this same thing where you go through all the things that this miracle device can do. It slices, it dices, it makes julienne fries, right? Which I don't even know what that is. Gina's going to tell me later. And then there's the but wait. Oh, you've heard these commercials. But wait, there's more. There's more. It does more than that, right? Order today and we'll double your order. We'll send you this for free. We'll blah, blah, blah. Just pay average shipping and handling. But wait, there's more. That's the thing about the hope that we have. Wait, there's more. There's hope for today and there's hope for eternity. There's hope for eternity. The empty tomb assures us of everlasting life. Verse 20, this immediately follows what Paul had just said. If, for this, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. So if we only hope in this life, we should be pitied. And then he goes on to say, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Paul was not there at the empty tomb. He was still a persecutor of the church at that point. Well, the church didn't even exist. He was still a Pharisee at that point. He was probably hearing, you know, rumblings about this Jesus guy. Maybe he was in the Sanhedrin and was there as a witness to the crucifixion. But later, before he writes 1 Corinthians 15, at some point, Jesus comes and finds him. 
And talk about hope changing in the blink of an eye. His whole life changed in the blink of an eye. When Jesus came to him and showed up and interacted with him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So later, as he writes to the church at Corinth, he's saying this, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Why? Because he talked to him. Paul interacted with the the risen Christ. So he understood that. The stone was rolled away. The tomb was empty. Death and sin had lost, and Jesus had won. And Paul was a witness to it, along with lots of other people. Part of what's often used at memorial services begins in verse 55. Where, O death, is your victory? Where is your sting? Those words showed up in a song we sang earlier. Thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have that victory. We have that hope. We have that forward-looking, positive expectation on what is now and what is to come. It's not yet fully realized, though. Because we still live in the here and now. We still have lives that are affected by all of what this world has to offer. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, verse 26 told us. We still face that in our lives. We still deal with diseases and despair and disappointment. Our hope is not that our lives are going to be all sunshine and roses. Our hope is that in Jesus, our sins are forgiven. We can live in his grace for eternity. And that hope fills us with joy and peace. When we're facing a burden... When we're facing frustration, disappointment, challenge in our lives that looks insurmountable, we can remember this, that Jesus overcame the grave and is with us today. We can remember this, that our sins are forgiven and we have life everlasting in him as assured, certain promise, not wishful thinking, not pie in the sky, not something that we kind of hope for maybe, like the weather, but something that's guaranteed. Because Christ is risen. Romans 15, 13. I've used this as a closing blessing a number of times. It says this, May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him, that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Overflowing with hope is what the world needs for us to do. Because of all those people driving around, riding their bikes, hiking on the road, whatever they're doing, who are putting their hope in something, some person, some agency, misplacing that hope because everybody needs it, need our hope to overflow so that our hope can be shared, can be seen can overflow within us to change the world. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah.